from the Times of Northwest Indiana and nwi.com slash podcasts. You're listening to Byline. The podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk, and this week we're taking a look at East Chicago's historic Marktown neighborhood. We'll talk with residents who care about its preservation. I really can't imagine walking out my front door and never coming back in that door again, I, or not coming this way. And we'll take a look at the merits of historical preservation. Like if, you know, sometimes you can have the historic and then it can be um, your grounds or your anchor for, you know, redevelopment around it. It can be what gives birth to the new. We'll begin with a stroll. Right now, in this moment, I'm walking through Marktown streets. Literally. Because the cars are actually parked on the sidewalk. It's a Saturday afternoon, and much like you might expect at this time, it's a lax period of the day. Not much going on. Some cars come and go, there's a few dogs out in the yards, but other than that, it's pretty quiet. A seemingly regular neighborhood. As you look around a little more, there's a few more details that pop out. The homes, scrunched tightly together with their variation in color, some a plain white or cream, and others a pastel blue or pink, some with cars outside, and others with boarded up or broken windows, as well as some spots where the roof's fallen in. From within, you can't really hear it, but when you step near the outside, There's that hissing, humming noise. It's the sound of industry. Structures of buildings and plants that rise like skyscrapers compared to the one and two story homes in the neighborhood. And in fact, it's surrounded on all sides by it. If you looked from above, you'd see it's an island more or less, in the middle of this power and production. It's quite the contrast, and rather two polar opposites of land use. Hi there. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. Along on my way, I met... Juvenal Angiano. He's lived here in Marktown since 1980. I'm pretty good. I feel safety. But some people complain about the pollution, this and that. We don't have nothing around here because air blowing away from us. It's peaceable here. Nobody mess with you. Everybody knows each other. We help them each other, look out for each other. And the reason I move over here because... I used to work in ArcelorMittal for 44 years. Yeah. And, I was I was 18 years old when hired in there in the mill. 18 oh. years old. So it's time to me to take it easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as he noted, the neighborhood is starting to disappear. We, we used to have a beautiful houses, but some ones, they abandoned. Like those over there. Mm-hmm. There was the owner, had almost a whole block. Mm-hmm. And somehow they just... I haven't done it, you know. They used to rent and this and that. Now, I guess they don't need money. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I haven't done it, and I, they, they probably want to throw it down. Like they did over here in the corner, and there used to be here two, two houses right there. Mm-hmm. 
they knock it off. Mm-hmm. BP bought it. Mm-hmm. But some of the neighbors, we not, uh, we are not happy about it. Uh-huh. Why we should move out of here when we live in peace? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But some people, they sell their houses, some people don't, like me. Mm-hmm. I don't like to move out of here. But if they come out with a good price, I might do it. It's true. British Petroleum, which we usually just call BP for short, has its eye on the neighborhood. As for some residents, like Juvenal, there's an apparent interest in keeping their homes. At the same time, though, there may be that sense that the writing is on the wall. But let's have the next person go ahead and dive a bit more into this. It was um, founded by the industrialist Clayton Mark, uh, who ran a steel mill in East Chicago uh, nearly 100 years ago to this day. Maybe you might recognize that voice, but that's Joseph Pete, whom we've spoken to before. He's quite involved in covering the steel industry and is the reporter and historian for this episode. It was a very, at the time, there was like this mania among these industrialists where they're building these like planned communities for their workers, like George Pullman in Chicago, who had the um, Pullman tank car factory. Uh, he famously built the, the neighborhood there for his workers. And Clayton Mark in East Chicago did the same thing, except he's, but his went above and beyond. He built a kind of this storybook, like seaside English village or like a Swiss villa with this very unique pastel architecture where it's got high gabled roofs and looks completely out of place among some of the heaviest industry on earth. He built this like idyllic village with the idea his workers would stay there. They'd walk to the steel mill. Um, they would, uh, you, you know, it help him retain uh, workers at a time where, you know, there was a lot of turnover. People would come in with a bindle by train. They get a job. They'd save up enough. They go on to the next city or whatever. There, there was well, there was more of a utopian movement at the time. Like it was, uh, you had places like New Harmony, Indiana, where there were different ideas about how to build this like utopian society. And it was something that the industrialists, uh, because if you look a lot of them, a lot of them are altruists too. Like you have the, um, you still have tons of Carnegie libraries here. Like a lot of the industrialists of that era were very um, dedicated to, you know, bettering the community or have all these ideas for community improvement or what the ideal society would be like. Joseph brings up a good point. Marktown isn't the only place of its kind. Much like the historic Pullman neighborhood in Chicago or the village of Kohler, Wisconsin, north of here, it has roots in the bygone era of industrialists. However, the residents have been put on edge with recent developments over the past few years. And then uh, BP, as is common with refineries, they'll buy up properties around them, residential homes, and tear them down. Uh, because, you know, there's, there's always the risk of an explosion like you had in Texas City. In uh, Whiting, there was a very famous explosion in 1955 where um, it damaged more than 100 homes in the neighboring Stiglitz Park neighborhood, killed two people, uh, it had a, you know, fireball that they said at the time, like, blotted out the sun. You could fill it all the way from Lowell. It was a very, the fires raged on for weeks and weeks and weeks, but it caused extensive damage to neighboring homes. And eventually... The then Standard Oil Refinery bought up all those houses and tore them down over a period of years to kind of minimize its you know, liability, legal liability, were anything to happen. And it's kind of been doing the same thing uh, here in Marktown. They say they, at first it was supposed to be a parking lot, but they eventually settled upon the more palatable green space. And they say they want uh, green space now, but, it, you know, they're just in reality just re- removing residents from the blast radius of their refinery. But that doesn't seem to phase the residents. It's not like they're running for the hills. 
These are homes that have been passed down for generations and have historical value. And it seems the occupants are pretty intent on keeping it that way. Hello? The history of Marktown is something that Kim Rodriguez cherishes. Ever since 2014, her name has come up often in relation to the neighborhood. Well, because uh, DP had wrote a letter a while back about um, they had no interest in buying property in Marktown, and then then all of a sudden they were buying property, and I just, this is my home. I just don't feel it's right. So I, I did put out a flyer and have residents meet at the center because I do believe, you know, if people stand together, they're a lot stronger because I wasn't going to allow BP to, you know, not take my home and try to figure out how to stop them from taking our community. She holds a deep love for the community. She embodies the third generation in her family to live in her home. She's had six kids, and one of them still lives in the neighborhood. There's wonderful memories and wonderful friends. We used to do ice skating every winter in the basketball court. They would flood it and, or, you know, fill it, not flood it. Um, it would freeze, and we did it almost every day during the winter. There was a little, we called it the hot house right there, that a city worker would sit in there and open it up for us. We'd go in there, warm up, go right back out and skate. We had uh, community things that went on, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, the Teenage Club. Everybody knew everybody. My dad worked in the mill right down my street. I could go down there and see him at lunchtime by the fence or take him lunch. Sometimes at 11 o'clock at night when he'd get out of work, I would take the dog and meet him by the gate and come home or walk him home. I enjoy the summer because when I walk in the summer, I see all the residents and say hello to everybody, and it's great to see them. And and see the smile when you say hi to them. You know what I mean? And you know them by name, so that's even better. Like Juvenal Andiano, Kim is also understanding of the buy-up, but wishes that the consequences were a bit more visible. It only makes sense. They're trying to, you know, they want to buy us up because we're a liability. But we've been here before them, and even when it was only standard, Standard oil, and just you know, smaller. Also, like juvenile, she'd possibly consider selling, only if the price matched what she felt her home was worth. But her love for the community goes so deep that nowhere else in East Chicago could come close. Fifty-eight years worth of memories here. Uh, how do you replace them? I, I I wouldn't even know where I would want to move if if I did have to move from here. You know, I know I don't want to live anywhere else in East Chicago because that's too close to here. But I really can't imagine walking out my front door and never coming back in that door again I, or not coming this way because I wouldn't want to be quick to come back here or drive by, drive by an empty space anymore. And, you know, the people in BP that make decisions, their homes aren't being threatened. How is it right that they can just go ahead and, you know, um, buy up people's homes for pennies, and that's the only life those people have known? 
you know, I wish sometimes that they were in my shoes. I wish somebody was, you know, um, I can't say they're threatening because they're not threatening. But every time a home goes down, that's getting closer and closer to them making us obsolete here. It, it kind of is like an intimidating thing. And then, you know, some residents have sold because <clears throat> they're afraid in the end they won't get nothing. As for the current state of affairs in Marktown, like Kim said, they haven't chased anyone out. But it does bring up the question of maintaining a historical landmark. Marktown is caught in the middle ground, a situation where the spirit of home and history is alive. But the potential concern for safety is also out there. So what wins out? You know, we have to decide whether we value our history or not. And if it's viable in some form. But if you look at like history, history can be an impetus for redevelopment. We were discussing this earlier and it came up like, well, Wrigley. Wrigley has been around for 100 years. Now they're investing in all these like new hotels and restaurants around it. And, you, you know, if, you, if Pullman, the reason Pullman is attracting new investment is because it has all these beautiful like red brick homes that are beautifully preserved. And it's a very unique like place. Like if, you, you know, sometimes you can have the historic and then it can be. Um, your grounds or your anchor for, you know, redevelopment around it. It can be what gives birth to the new, but not if you just, like, let it um, forsake it and just let it, you know, be demolished. The two sides are, in a way, at odds with each other. Marktown and BP. Not necessarily a David and Goliath allegory, but more as two old entities with their own unique origins in industrial history caught in a staring contest. But the ground may be beginning to buckle. Time will tell what the future holds. Kim is but one resident of Marktown. She believes in a mix of, as Joseph noted, historic preservation alongside her steadfastness in keeping her abode. She wants one thing to be clear to anyone who is curious about her. Uh, People have called me an activist. I'm not an activist. I don't want to be an activist. I just stand up for my community and what I believe in. That's all. I don't believe that makes me an activist. Not an activist, but active in embodying and keeping the image alive that there's really something at stake here. You know, some people don't even know that we exist. And, um... In certain instances, I like that. I kind of wish BP didn't know we exist. This is still my home, and I'm not going to let people run me out of here. If I can help it, you know? I mean, I know that BP can't uh, do uh, eminent domain, but that doesn't mean somewhere down the line that, you know, different people pull strings and they want this and want that, and somehow the The little people get lost. Byline is a production of The Times of Northwest Indiana. New episodes come out every Monday, and you can find them at nwy.com slash podcasts. Byline is also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just type in NWI Byline in the search bar, and we should pop up. If you've got a media player and want to download our episodes or listen on the go... 
Byline is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We just kindly ask that you rate us and leave a review because it actually really helps. And we like to hear from you, whether that's constructive comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear more about. Just drop us an email at nwibyline at gmail.com. Reporting for this week's episode came from Joseph Pete, as well as myself, Kale Wilk. Joseph did a fantastic piece on Marktown nearing 100 years old, and you can find that at nwitimes.com. Also included in there is a great selection of images from Times photographers Jonathan Miano, Damian Rico, and Tony Martin, which is very much worth checking out too. Finally, as always, a big thanks to Summer Moore, the Times' digital and audience engagement editor, who actually had her birthday last week. So, you can give her a belated birthday present by sharing this podcast with your friends and spreading the word. Our success and ability to continue pursuing the region's most fascinating stories is made possible in part by you, our lovely audience. I'm Kale Wilk, and from the Times of Northwest Indiana, thank you for listening. See you next week.